You're listening to Startup Acquisition Stories, a podcast featuring the stories of startup founders and buyers who have successfully gone through an acquisition process using Acquire.com, the world's number one startup acquisition marketplace. To date, Acquire.com has helped thousands of startups get acquired and facilitated hundreds of millions in closed deal volume. Here's your host, Andrew Gostecki. All right. I'm here with Jeff, founder of Renetta. Jeff, how are you doing today? Good, good. Thanks for having me on, Andrew. Um, stoked to be on your podcast. And yeah, this is great. Thanks. Yeah. So we were uh, chatting um, a little bit before this and um, just want to say congrats on on the newborn and also uh, the acquisition. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, there's been a lot happening. Uh, we have a one month old. Those two things happening at the same time aren't a coincidence either. Um, we actually sold the company knowing that we were going to have a baby. So yeah, that yeah, it's a lot to juggle. I yeah. as as a father, I, I I can I can relate. Yeah. Um. So let's let's talk about that. Um. But before we do, do you want to give just a brief introduction of yourself for people that might not know you? Yeah, definitely. Um, my name is Jeff Richards. I'm the founder of Raynetta. We are an agency that helps growth stage companies grow their revenue with data-driven paid media, um, primarily D2C brands and technology brands as well. And um, Wolf Republic is a company that it's a brand, a pet goods brand that my wife and I started back in 2018 as a side project. Um, and do you want me to talk a bit about the background with that or? Yeah, I'm on the website now. I'm like, okay. so I'm on the website and it looks to me like you created a really nice e-commerce brand for to help basically probably save your life if you go hiking and your dog is like a safety pack on. Yeah. <laughs> that kind yeah. of thought. The, the focus is really, uh, it's an outdoor uh, dog goods brand. We started it back in 2018. We adopted a, a dog from a, a shelter in LA and we like to go out on, on hikes around LA and other other places and we got into buying these harnesses that um, are backpacks for the dog the dog carries things on the trail and a lot of them would fall apart and a lot of them were were you know kind of like bright neat like bright blue with paw prints kind of cutesy type design so we decided to create something. Our lead product is a dog backpack called the Ranger Pack. And um, you can take it with, with your dog. You, you put it on your dog. It's a harness. And it also carries gear with them on the trail. So they can carry their own food, water, things like that. Um, and then we branch out into other products. And you've probably seen like the first aid pack that's on there too. So there's oh, other it. gear that we sell. There's uh, camping bowls, so like collapsible bowls you can bring with you meant for camping and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's uh, we branched out into a, a number of other products, but the lead product was really the Ranger Pack, that harness dog backpack. That's awesome. Is it, are these pictures of your dog? Yeah, so that some of them are. Um, we actually have doggy models. So we actually did photo shoots with doggy models. And then there's a lot of photos on there that are actually UGC content from customers. So we, um, as part of our influencer marketing strategy, we gifted to a lot of these. There's this whole world of doggy influencers and specifically outdoor doggy influencers where the uh, the owner is usually a photographer and they build a following with their dog taking photos of their dog outdoors and so our our customer base is really that outdoorsy person with a dog and that's probably what you're seeing there a mix of that, the models and the uh yeah the doggy influencers and customers tell me more about that so um 
let's uh let's go through just kind of like the the timeline from you know start all the way to acquisition does that sound good yeah that sounds good yeah definitely so how did you get your first customers so you you get the idea i assume you manufactured the products and then now you got to sell them uh and so it sounds like influencer marketing was the initial strategy or was it something else yeah that that was the the biggest channel that we focused on in the beginning um and my wife who isn't here because she's on baby duty of course she was the the co-founder in in wolf republic and she um she had experience she was working at the time for fashion swimwear brand and had influence uh, experience with influencer marketing and we created this ambassador program where we gifted products to these doggy influencers with a certain following uh, in the space. And we were just gifting product to them. Uh, we weren't actually paying them any fees at that point. And then uh, from that point, we we didn't even ask them to uh, post necessarily. They just started posting because they liked the product. And then we used that content. Um, that was part of our, our deal with our ambassador program is we would use the content and then post it on our own social and so we built up a, a social following primarily on Instagram of all these cool outdoor photos of these dogs, you know, on trails and um, beautiful photography from these different uh, doggy influencers and photographers. And that's really how we initially started growing the brand. Um, after that, so we, we started entering into different products. We added on leashes, collars, um, the camp bowl, uh, the first aid kits, things like that. All the things that you know an outdoor um, enthusiast would use with you know with their dog out on the trail, and we started branching out. We also started adding um, paid media, fuel to the fire, and that's when things really started growing. Is when we started adding ads, um, you know, meta ads, Google ads. After we already had a strong base with our influencer marketing, our organic social, adding fuel to the fire. And then the brand just started growing. We had uh, a few uh, years where it, it doubled year over year. Over the past uh, five years, I think we had a, a 75% growth rate. So, yeah. That's awesome. I'm looking at your Instagram page now. And yeah, I can confirm you built a really big following on Instagram. Yeah, we, yeah. And these photos are great. Unfortunately, these products, were, I have a mini Orkie. So, I don't, I don't oh, know. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you have that size yeah any any dog below 15 pounds um is is I, I mean, there's products that, that you could you could buy like the dog bandana or some other things but most of them are meant for medium size large size dogs yeah this is so cool yeah it doesn't it looks like something i would wear it's like a very nice beige is it is it leather or yeah it's um yeah it's, genuine leather yeah these yeah. are this is like quality yeah it, it's uh canvas and, and and genuine leather we my wife um Brittany, she she's the one who actually really worked on the design on the production side of these products and the idea was to make something that we would want to wear too because there's all these products we were getting from PetSmart and Petco that were really cutesy kind of with like paw prints and like bright blue colors. And we wanted something that we would want to wear too. And that was the idea is um, a cool design, um, quality product uh, that was not going to fall apart on the trail and would last. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, your wife did an excellent job because these photos are beautiful and the product is beautiful. Yeah. 
Yeah, it is. It's a lot of people comment on that on the trail. We actually just the prototype that we started putting on our dog. We had people stopping us on the trail and asking about it. And That's so cool. I'm reading all the reviews too. This is great. All right, so let's 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 continue the journey. Yeah. Um, so you got you got your first customers. Uh, you built a, you built a great product. People are buying it. The business is growing, and uh, it comes time to sell. What made uh, what, what made you make that decision? Yeah, so we, of course, we had um, the baby on the way. So that was one thing, right? We well, were congrats again. Yeah, thank you. And we knew that we wouldn't have the the time. So we actually, Wolf Republic was always a side thing for, for both of us. Um, there was a period of time for about half a year when Brittany did work on it full-time for six months. But other than that, we have our own full-time jobs this entire time over the past five years. This was always a side thing. So it started growing to a point as well where it, it grew to a point where it was uh, we were on the, the cusp of it no longer being a side thing where this last holiday season, we spent all of our free time packing orders. We came back from visiting a, a, a family over Thanksgiving and we had over 250 orders to pack. And so we were just constantly packing orders and doing all this on the side. So it was reaching a, a tipping point. And it wasn't quite large enough for us to, you know, quit our full-time thing and, and start working on it full-time. And it was too large for us to, you know, fit in a baby on the side with this thing. So um, the growth over the past couple of years was great too. And it was just a great time for us to go ahead and sell it. That's, well, that's awesome to hear. So you, you, now you're at a point, you're going to sell the business you listed on um, acquire.com. How did that process go? Like, give me kind of the, the good and the bad. How did the first, you know, two weeks of being on the marketplace go? Yeah. We we did pretty quickly get um, a number of inquiries and, and, uh, questions from potential buyers. Um, in the first couple of weeks, I would say one of the first things is we were thinking, you know, the interest that we were getting from these potential buyers, we were thinking uh, maybe we should just jump on one of these because, you know, we have the baby coming in a couple of months and we're not going to have time to like go through this process before then. So we did um, start talking to, uh, you know, both um, firms that were interested in buying the company and then individual buyers. And we actually received an LOI that we didn't sign immediately. And we were thinking about signing it. And we talked to this buyer and um, it was close to our, our asking price. Um, and it was, um, you know, all, all these different things were lining up. But then we we talked to one of the potential buyers uh, was this VC shop um, that was, you know, buying e-commerce brands. They would grow them in-house, build them in-house. That was their whole thing. And the m and uh, uh, director of merger and acquisitions for that small shop told us that we didn't meet, you know, the exact criteria that they were looking for, but he was open to giving us advice uh, in the process moving forward. So he kind of became uh, a, a mentor, if you will, throughout the process and gave us some pretty good advice in terms of, you know, this is when you should sell, like sign an, an LOI, this is what you should look for. And we even went back to him and asked questions um, once we had an offer that we liked. And uh, it was helpful getting advice from others. And 
uh, I was I was surprised at, at you know how helpful some of the the people were. There were some buyers that were potential buyers that um, would come in and and uh, they would ask questions and they'd be very very quick to tell us you know whether or not they would be able to to match our asking price or if they were looking for something else. Um, but we're glad that we listened to advice and held out until we we did uh, eventually match with who became our our buyer. Um, because this this buyer was great was a great fit they had uh, that's my next question hey okay, yeah hey, go ahead. you're taking it already, Jeff. um well that's great to hear and i i always recommend you know getting to someone in your corner when you're going to sell your business um and we actually provide that now at acquire.com so for anyone hearing this and you get a loi or you just want a walkthrough of just kind of the process uh, we now have a team that we built the to help people with a little bit more hands-on touch um so you're not alone but when i when i sold my um prior startup i had kind of a similar relationship with a friend he was an investment banker and he'd give me just small tips and it made all the difference so having someone even just as like a therapist like that's just go to bed like just don't send that email just anyway so what made you comfortable with the buyer what what about this individual made you feel like this was the person that was the right person to sell the business to? Yeah, the buyer, this buyer was was great in that they had a lot of previous experience um, within the industry, within uh, pet goods, pet uh, e-commerce, and their skill set was also complementary to our skill set. So my wife, both my wife and I, we both of our, our fields are we specialize in marketing. And this buyer had more of a um, product and, um, you know, understood more of like the logistics, product fulfillment, uh, inventory planning, that side of the business. And so this buyer came in and the offer was a bit different too. We the offer that we got from him um, was actually a, an offer that wasn't we were initially looking for, you know, an outright buyer that would just buy 100% of the company, but his offer was unique. It wasn't what we were asking for, but his offer included um, a percentage of equity that we would retain, a, a small percentage, 15%. And we ended up going with that because we, number one, believed in the future of the brand with this new buyer and where he was going to take it. He had experience and um, yeah, it was it was good vibes all around. Um, it wasn't rushed really. And he was very helpful throughout the process too. That's great. I mean, I, I always say this on a lot of the podcasts, but the majority of acquisitions that I see close and I see a lot <laughs> always have some form of, of just goodwill where you and, and the buyer are getting along. There's no tension. That's kind of where deals fall apart. Like you get a really high price, you sign the LOI, you both just can't get along, whatever it may be. Uh, it's so much easier when the person, you know, admires what you built. They love what you built. Uh, they say what they're going to do and same to you. Um, and that just makes the acquisition process like flow really nicely into closing. So now I want to know about um, uh, the fun part, uh, due diligence. How's that? Yeah. Yeah. The due, the due diligence, luckily, Brittany at her previous company, they went through an acquisition, a big acquisition from a, a large Fortune 500 company. So she was used to, you know, a very uh, detailed due diligence process from going through that process in the past. Uh, so she already, you know, where they have like a data room and they 
spend months and months getting like all this information together and digging in. Um, so we put together this, we had this due diligence tracker, a list of things that we needed to grant access to. Uh, Brittany put together this deck uh, that had tons of information and, you know, on the financials, but also the opportunities within the brand and opportunities for growth moving forward. And so she put together this great presentation. We had this list where we were granting access um, to all the platforms. And it was actually fairly, fairly straightforward, the due diligence process. So that was easier um, than I expected, for sure. I really liked one thing that you said, or actually multiple things. But one thing I want to hone in on is uh, what you were doing, and you may not have thought of it this way, but you were still selling the business, even though you were under LOI mm-hmm. and pointing out things like growth opportunities or just making it easier for the buyer to understand what tools does the business run on? How could I grow this thing even further? Because you as owner of the business, you know that better than anyone. And when you share that with the buyer doing during due diligence, that can exponentially increase the chances of close in case something pops up, they don't like one product or something, something always pops up in due diligence that a buyer doesn't like, but you can counteract that by, you know, sharing a lot of information about, you know, future upside in the business, things that you would do if you had, you know, another two years in the business to keep them excited. So, you know, if they find a minor issue or one number is slightly off or something like that, um, it doesn't totally blow up the deal. So I like how you had a presentation and kept them excited. Um, and that also shows just good faith on you and your wife on the the sell side by, you know, sharing as much as you possibly can with the buyer to make sure they're successful. Yeah. And and that was one thing that I think was key too is not not trying to oversell it or hiding things that were wrong with the business um, because those are actually positive things. You don't want to get too far down the process and they find something they're like, oh, how come you didn't mention this or what's this? We didn't know that you guys had this issue. So yeah, being upfront with the growth opportunities and. Uh, you know, the good and the bad of the business, I think was, was helpful. Yeah, I completely agree. I, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs think taking their business to market, they want to show it as perfect, but it's actually the opposite. You want to show with bumps, bruises, the good parts, bad parts, because the bad parts can also be good parts. Like you just mentioned, they're things that you've tried in the past. They didn't work or you tried in the past and you couldn't figure out how to make it work. And a new buyer hears that and they say, oh, I have experience with that. And what you're doing is you're ensuring that they don't go down a path that you've already tried and doesn't work. So again, that really helps, you know, again, make sure the acquisition closed and the buyer doesn't, you know, back out. So, okay. So it sounds like due diligence was was handled well. Uh, you and the buyer are getting along great. How did you transfer all the assets of the business? Did you just ship them all of your stock, all the all this dog merchandise. How did that go? Yeah. So we, the, the easy part was transferring access to the digital platforms, the website, the domain, all that stuff. The, the harder part was the inventory. And we had to figure out, we had, because we were, we had all of the inventory in storage and we had to figure out how to ship this across the U.S., um, because the, the buyer is across the U.S. and we had to um, ship. We were literally packing up the inventory into a uh, like a shipping crate thing last minute on our due date, our baby due date, the day before our son was born. So 
I'm glad we got that out the door because that was a big part of, you know, before closing, we had to make sure all the inventory was sent over. And we had, um, thankfully, the the buyer had experience with this too and and was very understanding and even help like even coordinated the uh the pickup of all the inventory because it was multiple multiple pallets of inventory that we had to ship over and yeah that was the biggest thing for an e-commerce business the rest of it the digital platforms were were pretty easy that's good to hear and um again uh your wife wow she yeah. on her due date. Wow. My, my wife, when, when she was on her due date would, would not be able to lift crates. <laughs> she, um, she wasn't lifting. She was supervising me lifting <laughs> well, all, all the stuff, but yeah, that, she was there. We were, we were getting it all sent over before that day became. That works. Well, you got, you got it all done in time. It sounds like, so did the acquisition close before your um, son was born? So it, it actually, the closing date came after he was born, but that's because the inventory had to reach the, you know, had to get across the U.S. So that took some time. Um, but we we knew everything was all good as long as the inventory got there before the closing date and we were good to go. Yeah. Nice. And so at this point, um, are you still doing any sort of like transition or consulting? You still own a portion of the business, which is great too, in case, you know, I, I think I can see this blowing up. I mean, there's, there's certain categories. I'm kind of, I'm kind of ranting now, but there's certain categories where people have um, an irrational spend limit. And it, I think the saying is um, dogs and weddings and children. Mm-hmm. Is specifically like I don't I don't know if you've been to um what's that baby store um it's like the biggest baby shop I've 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 been to a lot of baby stuff lately so um, Any, anyways like you can yeah. spend like three hundred bucks on like clothes that your kid will grow out of in like a month and oh yeah and then people actually spend a similar amount on their child as they do their dog oh, yeah. so really good niche. And then it's intersecting with, you know, a trend of during COVID, you know, so many people just want to get outside and obviously hiking and just outdoors and, you know, people just want to be, uh, you know, in shape, feeling good. And then they bring their dog along and you build a product that kind of merges those two things. So that that's, you know, I, that's great that you kept a portion of the business, but in terms of, you know, is there any activities that you're doing now to assist the the new owner? Or are you completely just there if he needs he or she needs you? So at the moment, we are still we're still meeting with him to make sure that you know everything is up to speed. There's still lingering things that you know. Oh, we we didn't realize there's this account over here that oh you need you need the login for this account. There's like these little things that seem to to happen even after the sale that we didn't realize. It always does. Yeah. And then there, <laughs> there's, um, we are still, um, so like in, in terms of the long-term plan here, we will consult on the marketing side because that is our, our strength. Right. And I have an agency that we manage paid media for growth stage brands. And we are, you know, working with this, this buyer, um, who bought the company has more experience on the manufacturing supply chain logistics, um, product development side of things. So we do plan on still consulting on the marketing side, but we're not in it day to day. And obviously we want to see it grow and succeed because we still have a stake in it, 
but also it's our baby, right? We we built this brand, even if um, we sold it out, right? We still probably would have um, been willing to, you know, answer questions and, and consult on the side bit. So, yeah. That's such a great story. Just you and your wife building this and then selling it as your your son is born. Um, congrats to to you and to you and Brittany, Jeff. I'm, I'm happy for you. Um, is there any, I guess, um, you know, if you were to do this um, all over again in terms of, you know, building and selling a business and you just had to give advice to uh, a new entrepreneur looking to do and accomplish what you did, what's maybe like two or three things you'd, you'd share with them? Yeah, I think the the big thing, at least in the acquisition process, is like you mentioned before, not being afraid of the growth opportunities, the places where you you haven't been able to, you know, um, uh, you know, we really did well on the marketing side, but the product development side, like there was a lot of room to improve things there. So that's the, those are things that buyers like to see, actually. It seems like investors, buyers don't like to come in and uh, buy a perfect business because there's not a lot of upside if the business is is, is all perfect anyway. So they want to get a deal on, on buying a business that they can improve over time in certain areas. And then the uh, other advice, um, I would say... Uh, let me think for a second. I think um, I think tr- not trying to not trying to do everything all at once. I think focus was a big learning thing for us. There was a period of time where uh, we really branched out into a lot of different products, uh, maybe a bit too many all at once, and then we, you know instead of just focusing on on what had really worked really well, um, we we started diving in and getting kind of like ADD with like, oh, we should do this, we should do this, we should do this. And then we had all these different products being developed at different times that some of them didn't even come to fruition yet. So um, it really, not spreading yourself too thin. So being focused in, in building your business. Yeah. I like that. And, and if you're building a SaaS company, it's kind of akin to building just more features that maybe no one wants when you should just, you know, solve one problem really well, rather than a bunch of problems, just okay. Or or mediocre. Yeah. So that's great advice. Well, Jeff, I've loved hearing your story and um, congrats to you and your wife and your family. And um, if you want to learn more about your story, uh, where can they find you online? Yeah. So you can find me on LinkedIn um, or Twitter and LinkedIn is, is probably the best place. Um, Twitter, I'm somewhat active, not super active, hoping to get more active, but yeah, LinkedIn and Twitter. And then what's the name of uh, your agency as well? Is Raynetta. So it's R-A-Y-N-E-T-A. And we, again, we we work with growth stage companies, both D2C e-commerce brands and technology brands in helping them grow their revenue with data-driven paid media. Awesome. I'll make sure all that's in uh, the show notes. We'll Jeff, thanks so much for joining me on this podcast and uh, congrats again on the acquisition. Yeah, thanks a lot for for having me and I uh, appreciate it. It's It's been an honor. Thanks. My and pleasure. Love what you've built, of course, with Acquire. It's, uh, it's been an awesome experience. I appreciate it. Appreciate that. Got to give full credit to the the team though, because like you, I'm I'm a marketer. I'm, I'm not technical, so got to give 95% credit to them. All right, Jeff. Well, enjoy the chat and um, wishing you all the best. Hope to see you again soon. Awesome. Thanks, Andrew. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Startup Acquisition Stories podcast. 
If you enjoyed what you heard today, make sure to like and follow on your preferred channel. If you know a friend or colleague that's thinking about selling their startup and don't know where to start, please share it with them. For more information on Acquire.com and how we can help you start conversations with serious buyers with acquisition targets ranging from 50,000 up to 50 million or more, check us out at Acquire.com. We'll see you next time.